the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live and Happy New Year to you. We are getting up to that uh, that point and uh, I hope that you are already enjoying the new year. I think in 2023, we need a break, right? We need we need a, a year to look forward to. We need a year that uh, doesn't seem like a monster is going to come up out of the sea and uh, attack us. And I don't know, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling a little more optimistic about 2023. I'm not really sure why. Uh, and the truth is, is that we have every reason to be optimistic if you are a follower of Jesus, because no matter what happens, your best days are always in front of you. If you want to join our conversation today, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, uh, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Here's a question for you. What are your predictions for 2023? When you look forward to this year, do you think these are the things that are going to happen? Do you even think about it? I think it's been harder to uh, predict, right? And at the end of 2019... What would people have said? I think people would have said uh, we weren't even thinking about the COVID. The COVID was going on, right? But we were kind of ignoring it. Uh, at the end of 2019, everybody had their vision plans, 2020 vision, and plotting out the next decade and all of that. And we only had a couple of months until everything spun out of control. That could happen again. And uh, 2021 was pretty rough. 2020, I remember when, uh, whenever January 6th happened in 2021, People were like, is there a 30-day warranty on 2021? Can we take it back? Uh, Seven-day trial period, and we can just, you know, uh, 2022 uh, was kind of a rough year, maybe in some some different ways. Maybe 2023 is going to be a good one, it seems like. What are your predictions for 2023? Do you have them? Give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And maybe if you don't have predictions, maybe you've got some plans. What are you going to do? in 2023 what are you looking forward to the most in 2023 do you have uh, you know maybe you've got family wedding going on maybe you've got a trip that you've been planning for a long time maybe you've postponed a trip i've got a trip that's been postponed a long time happening in 2023 uh taking my family on a on a vacation which we've not had a real one in a long time so looking forward to that and uh having it be a real vacation is President Biden going to run? What do you think? Is he going to run? I have said all along he's not, that he's not going to run. Now, the rumor is that he's going to announce that he's going to run. And maybe he is, right? And he, But here's the thing. The reason I'm saying he's not going to run is just age. That's it. Just he's going to be 82 at the end of his first term in 2024. And if he runs again, Essentially, what he's saying is that he is planning to be president until he's 86. Um, wow, 86. That's uh, you now some of you are 86 and you're in pretty good shape. I know a guy who is in his 80s, and uh, I hope to be in the shape he's in in my 60s. Right? He's 
He gets up in the morning and does 100 push-ups. That's his thing. And he's in great physical condition for uh, his age. There are certain people who they just kind of have that. But for a lot of us, you know, our 80s, it gets kind of uh, kind of tough. Is he going to run? My prediction is ultimately no. But then I've thought about this, and I've thought, you know, if he doesn't plan to run, the problem is, is if he says he's not going to run, then he becomes kind of this lame duck president. Then he becomes this guy who is the president, but everything will, the focus will come off of him. And anything that he wants to do, uh, people will pay less attention. Uh, that happens a lot in the last two years of a president's term if they're in their second term. Uh, that happens often. And you kind of don't want to put yourself, he has this this luxury of probably being able to say, yeah, I'm running for president, but he has the right to uh, decide to pull out sometime later in the year. A lot of people have uh, speculated that maybe President Biden's going to going to quit for age-related related reasons or health-related reasons this year. Some people have thought that's uh, the plan, right? So if he if that happens after the 21st of January, which is coming up, if he does that, then Kamala Harris would become the president, but she could be the president for two terms. She could be the president for 10 years. So the way the Constitution works is that if, if President Biden resigns before the 20th of January, then she would become the president, but she could only run for one term after that. But if it's the 21st of January or later, uh, she could actually run twice. I don't think that's, I don't think there's some kind of plan. I don't think those two get along is what uh, it looks like is going on. But do you think President Biden is going to run again? Is he going to announce in a couple of weeks, I'm definitely running? Uh, for whatever the reason is, maybe he is. You know, maybe, you know, I'm just thinking eh, he probably at some point in some debate back in 2019 or 2020 before the shutdowns, he said he was only running for one term. You know, they were grilling him about his age. And there are all these people up there on the stage, right? All these different candidates running. And he actually said it. And then later, when it was clear that the shutdowns were going to happen and what the Democratic Party did was they coalesced around Joe Biden uh, because the primary season was going to get cut short. And they knew that. And they basically said, hey, you know, people are going to, you know, Biden, if it's not Biden, then it's going to be Bernie Sanders. And we don't think we can win at all with Bernie Sanders, uh, which I'm not sure anymore. Uh, and Bernie Sanders is older. He might be in better shape than the Biden. Bernie Sanders hasn't ruled out running. He's already 82, I think. And uh, he's older, two years older than Joe Biden. Donald Trump running again, He's uh, he will be, if he gets elected, he'll be the same age as Biden was when Biden became president. Is that too old? Is it just a matter of, you know, how well you're doing? You know, at a certain age, you know, how well you're doing today may not have anything to do with how well you're doing tomorrow. I guess that can happen to us at any time. What are your plans for 2023? Uh, I hope that 2023 is a year that, you know, for the church, that the church begins to regain a voice in the culture. If there is something that I can pray for and that I do pray for, for the church, something that I think you can pray for, is that the church regain its voice in the culture and I don't say that in the sense of power, okay? It's a, it's a mistake for Christians when the voice that we think we should have in the culture is somehow tied to political power. That's been a mistake for 2,000 years. Always been a problem. The voice in the culture that is influential, uh, that is something that I think could happen now, is a voice that speaks on behalf of children everywhere, for example. 
I think the voice of the church can be one that speaks on behalf of the truth about, say, homelessness, where there needs to be a better voice out there with the homeless problem, a voice that says, hey, the problem is not just putting a roof over people's heads. That's a problem. But the problems are drugs and our attitude about them. The problem is that what people need ultimately is repentance, and they need hope, the kind of hope they get in Jesus Christ, not just a roof over their head. You know, the reason we're, there's many reasons, and it's a complex problem, but the reason we're not making progress, particularly in California, but also in other places on the homeless issue, is we are not a culture with a voice that says, you know what, people need to recover. That we're not a culture anymore with a voice that says there's actually moral right and wrong. See, that's the ultimate problem. That's the ultimate problem with the thinking, is that in so many ways, what we want to do today in this world is say, Nothing really is wrong morally, and that's what happens You know, if you take God out of the equation, if there's no God, then actually there is nothing morally wrong. You can argue with me if you want to, 888-528-2557. But if there is no God at all, then what do you base morality on? What do you base any decision about how we handle any issue that has to do with the betterment of mankind? What's the point? If there's no God, then isn't it just survival of the fittest? If there's no God, then do we really need to care about human beings and their condition? Or do we just care about ourselves and our own rights? See, and that's what's, I think, driving a lot of the problems is that for homelessness, for example, but I think this is also what we're seeing in these areas of uh, children being exposed to sexuality at young ages and the transgender stuff where we are not being honest about that and allowing kids to make decisions about surgeries, about drugs, and things they might do to transition at a young age, and we're making a lot of money about it with that. It's money-driven, okay? I think that the reason for that ultimately is if there is no God, if there is no sense of moral rightness in a culture, which is, I think, where we are headed or where we are, then the decision-making about what is moral becomes something that is given to the loudest voice, that is given to a voice that is speaking and saying they're being compassionate when they're not. See, I think the church ought to be that voice, but I'll say that we're, we're not anymore. Now, we are in a lot of relationships, right? There's a lot of people in your relational world who you know and who are drawing closer to the Lord because you are a good voice, a kind voice, a truthful voice, a bold voice in a good way. The church needs to be known for this. See, this is what I would love to see become something greater for the church. Think about this for a minute. Shouldn't employers want to hire Christian people because of their integrity? I not if not you know maybe they don't believe in Jesus, maybe they they don't have any personal religion, or maybe they have a different point of view themselves. But shouldn't the reputation of Christians be, we need to hire those people because they don't steal from us. We need to hire those people because they are honest. They're different than everybody else. See, that's where we get our voice, by the way. The church gets its voice from being distinct. The church gets its voice in the culture from being different, and different in a positive way. 
a, a the church gets its voice not because it has political power or because it has you know control over the education system or control over this system or that but because the church ultimately speaks what is true what is true and what impacts people's lives see at the end of the day you can't you cannot avoid reality you can't reality is going to hit you reality is going to bat last reality is persistent and the ones who have been consistently speaking in terms of what is true and real about issues of the day, about the family, about all kinds of things, those are the ones who ultimately will have a powerful voice when things come crashing down. And I think that some of that is is happening and some of that is going to happen. What do you think is going to happen in 2023? Do you have any predictions? Maybe you've got some plans. What's going to happen for you in 2023? What does God want to do? You want to share? The number is 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. See, the thing is, I think it's a healthy thing to actually sort of look forward into the year. If you're going to make predictions, there's a lot of joke predictions out there. There's some website I saw where there's Nostradamus making, you know, Nostradamus was this ancient guy who, uh, he doesn't really make predictions, but there's like a couple of things that he wrote that are, that are oddly, um, almost true, you know, later on. Um, but the truth is, is that you can take a look at your life and look at the path you're on and, in doing so, you can you can make some pretty accurate choice, uh, decisions about where you're headed. If you want to know what 2022 is going to look like for you, then what you need to do is take a look to see where you're headed right now. There's a lot of unexpected turns in the road. There could be another pandemic. There could be all kinds of things going on. We don't know. But most of the time, this is something that's true for all of us. Most of the time, our lives go in the direction that we point them. That's the direction they go. And that has everything to do with personal decisions you make and everything to do with decisions that maybe the government makes or other people make. You know, the the course of our nation, it's going to go in the direction that we point it. And how, however that co- corresponds to reality, uh, you're going to see where things are going. See, in your personal life, here's the deal. If, uh, if you eat too much, you will gain weight. That's just the way it is. Uh, if you smoke, uh, there's a completely different line of questioning you get from your doctor when you go in. That's just the way it is. It's not, it's not something that should be a mystery to you. That's why the first question, if you go in and you see your doctor, one of the things they ask you is, are you a smoker? Why do they ask that first? It's because depending on your answer, yes or no, there's a completely different line of questions that come next, a completely different understanding of what might be going on with you in a health way. If you exercise regularly, you will be healthier and feel better. If we are kind to people, we will usually receive kindness back. Not always, but that is most of the time. If you want to receive kindness to yourself in your life, you will receive more of it if you are a kind person. If we are rude to people, we will lose friends. We will have a hard time keeping friends. We will have a hard time staying in relationships. See, generally, it's very predictable. Our lives are somewhat unpredictable paths when we think about it that that way. And there are things that come upon us that we have no control over. That's just how it goes. But generally speaking, we can predict what's going to happen. We can predict 
you know, where our life is going. We can't predict where somebody else's decisions are going to intersect with ours and change what we had planned, right? You couldn't have predicted that you're not going to make it for Christmas because Southwest Airlines had some screwy uh, program for their, their scheduling of crews. You couldn't have predicted that, okay? It changes things. And you can't plan on tragedies or wars or things like that. But generally speaking, human beings or families, or organizations, even countries. Generally speaking, if we want to see the future, we just take a look at our path. So what path are you on? I think this is a great question to begin the year with, any year. It's always a question you should ask yourself. If you're kind of wondering where you're going, what road are you on? You know, where is that road going? I think it's very predictable much of the time, you know, with those exceptions of things that happen. You know, the American people think that our country is going in the wrong direction. And the the right course, wrong course numbers are extraordinary. Polls say that America is on the wrong track by more than a two-to-one margin. And when you take a look at our national debt, you take a look at the, the situation in our politics, the lack of integrity in our politics, we'll talk about that a little bit more later, when we talk about the type of leadership that we are seeing, it's not hard to predict that our country is going to go through some hard times. I mean, when we're really honest about it, when the American people are saying by a two-to-one margin, we're on the wrong path, you know, what are we talking about? Now, before you just want to blame uh, one party or the other, the American people have thought that America is on the wrong path almost all the time since 1971. Did you know that? That whole right path, wrong path thing, they've been taking those polls since 1971, uh, before that really. But the turn, the two-to-one margin where people think America's on the wrong path since 1971. So for over 50 years, with only one period of time that's uh, an exception, uh, a brief time during the 1980s, during the Reagan years, uh, it got better, but it still never got better than 50-50. All right, why does the country think this way? Why do you think our country thinks that things are on the wrong path? And they seem to think it's on the wrong path no matter which party is in power over the last 50 years, with that number getting up to half the country thinking we're on the wrong path in the uh, mid-1980s. And that's the best it's been. Ever since then, two to one, three to one, the country on the wrong path. You know what? It's not pretty, but it's the road we're on. When we take a look at the collective concerns, is our education system getting better since 1971? No, it's not. Are test scores getting better? No, they're not. Is the drug problem getting worse? Yes, it is. Are families uh, better or worse? They're worse off in just about any measurement in the last 50 years. And really going on before that, because that's when people started to change their mind you can see that most people don't think that the culture we're in is headed in the right direction. That's a huge thing. If everybody thinks that, why are we so quiet about it? If everybody thinks that we're on the wrong path, I mean, it's not everybody, right? But it's, we're talking about two to one margin. That's two thirds of the people minimum think we're on the wrong path, regardless of who's in power. Why is 67, 70%, 72% of the people Why, if we believe that, do we not have a voice? Why are we quiet? I think we have collective concerns that are real. This is why I'm praying that the church 
ends up becoming that voice because it's the church ultimately that has the reason for the directions to change. See, if there's no God, then there really is no right or wrong direction. We're all just dust in the wind, right? I mean, it's a, it's a terrible thing to start to go down that path and think about that. But if there's no God, then you know what? It doesn't matter what happens to the United States. And it really doesn't matter what happens in, in Russia and Ukraine. And it really doesn't happen. doesn't matter what's happened on the African continent. It doesn't matter what happens with HIV over there. It doesn't matter what's going on in, in Venezuela. It doesn't matter, you know, climate. It doesn't matter. Whatever your issues are, it doesn't matter if there's no God. And I think overall, that's the reason that the majority does not have a voice, does not speak with a voice in our country, because we've lost God. And if there is no God, then you know what? It doesn't matter. What difference does it make? Dust in the wind. I won't sing the song for you, but that's it. The church has something. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have a word of God that says, hey, you know what? This world is fallen. This world is broken. And all the things that we notice that are not on the right path, we're right about that. But there is a right path to take. There is a right path. Oh, is this dust in the wind? <laughs> the, there is a right path to take. Like, if you don't believe we're dust in the wind, then you know what? It is so clear what needs to happen. We need to turn our hearts to the living God. We need to take a look at our life and what path we're on. And we need to do something very, very important. We need to trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And in all our ways, submit to the Lord. And you know what the Proverbs writer says? If you do that, he will make your paths straight. In all of your ways, submit to him. Can I give you a vision for 2023? You can just start with your life. You can't control everything in the country, but you can start with yourself. I can start with myself. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. When you submit to the Lord, you know what? When you're actually doing the right things, it's not that hard to take a look at your life and figure out where it's going, to figure out how it's going to go with the obvious things that happen and tragedies and other stuff. I know that. But at the end of the day, it's going to work out. Where is it going? What are your predictions for 2023? What are your thoughts? 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. When we come back, I'll check your calls. I see your calls up there on the screen. And uh, we'll talk about this. What are your predictions for 2023? Where are we going to go? 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back uh, as today's edition continues, stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. That's uh, Kansas Dust in the Wind. Is that it? Is that all we are? Dust in the Wind? Do you ever read song lyrics? That's a popular song, right? Do you ever really pay attention to what's being said? The lyrics are, I close my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. All my dreams pass before my eyes. A curiosity, dust in the wind, all they are is dust in the wind. Same old song, just a drop of water in an endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. All we are is dust in the wind, dust in the wind. 
Now, don't hang on. Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It slips away. All your money, another minute won't buy. It's a depressing song. And it's pretty depressing if all we are is dust in the wind, if that's it. Well, we're not. As believers, we believe that we're much more, that we are unique, that we are made in the image of God, that there is a plan, that there is a purpose. And all of the troubles that are in our world today should not be surprising to anybody who understands the Word of God. Where are we headed today? And that was our question. And the first, I'll take your calls here in a second. That's our question. Where are things going? Maybe in your life, what do you expect for 2023? What should we think? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Chris in Whittier, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Um, happy almost New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. <laughs> I hope you had a great season. Uh, yeah, what you're talking about really stirs me. And uh, the one thing that I would, I mean, everything you said is true. There's truth in everything that you spoke about. The the church losing its voice and how the church needs to regain its voice. Yeah. The only thing I would wish is if we would substitute the word church with you personally. You know, you personal, you Christian, as if no other Christian was going to act in concert. Mm. And it was only up to you. And then apply everything that you just said. Speak up for the homeless. Speak up for what is right and wrong. Make a stand. Because I think what happened, the way the church, quote-unquote, loses its voice is when we defer to the church hmm. instead of picking up the cross personally yep. and carrying it. You know, and, and what that actually means in a practical way, wherever you live, uh, you look at the homeless problem, and we think, well, somebody ought to do something about the homeless problem. Maybe the church should do something about the homeless problem. But wear that cross person yourself. What will you do about that homeless person? Right. Will you go over and find out what their name is? Give them a few bucks? Maybe bring them a warmer coat or a sleeping bag? That's when, he, that's when being a Christian becomes intensely grainy and personal. And believe it or not, that's when the well of joy is dug from within. When you put yourself in that kind of position where you become the personal voice and not waiting for anybody else to come along and help, then a personal well of joy is dug within your soul and the water starts to flow out. you got to be the rock that God speaks to that makes the water flow out. And if you do that, you'll never be thirsty because the water's coming from within you heading out. I think yeah. where it gets so frustrating is we, we're not that rock, but we're looking for a rock that God's going to strike and break the water flow out towards me. Do you feel That's like frustrating. Do you feel like we've lost the sense of what church actually is in a biblical perspective? I, I think we have in the sense of it's so human to do that. This is what human beings do. It's the drawback of our species being such a social organism is that no sooner than two or more are gathered together than we have an organization. You know, Jesus shows up, but we start to organize. Yeah. And we start to call each other's behavior, and we start finding a suitable place for us to be. You know, it just becomes about everything else, and it starts taking steps further and further and further away from the personal work of the heart. And, and you know, when Jesus came, I think that's one of the things that just blew everybody's mind there, because they had been thousands of years being under the the uh, organization of the Jewish and Hebrew hierarchy, Jesus came and cut right through all of that, right to the nerve of every individual person. So when he took that, pulled that rich guy, you want to be saved? 
give all your stuff away and then come and follow me. You know, then when it became yeah. so intensely personal and there was no organization to defer the responsibility to, man, that's the that's where the rubber meets the road. I think that we do. I think you're making a great point, Chris, is we do need to see the church as beginning with us. You know, I, I, and I do think it's important that we see the church as an assembly or gathering, that we're not alone. But the church mm-hmm. is not an address or a nonprofit corporation. I think there's a huge problem within the church of uh, that mindset of the church being that building I go to on Sunday and the corporation that might organize us to do things but never does because they're arguing about the carpet or something. And, yeah, I mean, I was, my, my vision has always been that the church would be more of a lodge of hunting and adventurers that come in from wherever they've been adventuring, wherever they've been hunting, and they tell the stories of what they've seen. They repack their goods, they refresh themselves, heal their wounds, and then they head right back out the door for another personal adventure. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about that. Those kind of lodges, then we might have something really relevant. Maybe we can do that without the silly hats. There you go. Yeah. Hey, Chris, thank you for your call. I appreciate that thought there. 888-528-2557. Is Chris on the right path here? I think he is. You know, the the interesting thing is the, the New Testament word for church in, uh, you know, in Greek, you know, not to throw that down at you, but it's ekklesia. But the interesting thing about the history of that word is it doesn't mean address or building. It means assembly or gathering. And in the, that culture of the day, it referred to either citizens of a city who gathered together to decide political issues or some, you know, but less frequency to an assembly of devotees to a religion or a God, you see. And you know, I think Chris is right that individually we have to see ourselves as the church and as gifted by God and, and we have the Holy Spirit and we're meant to do stuff but we also don't want to lose sight that we're meant to do stuff together, that Jesus is building his church, his gathering, his assembly, and the the voice that we have maybe gets lost because we turn it into a corporation voice and not a corporate voice of Christians. What do you think? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Tamara in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, how are you? That's right, Tamara from Just Word Ministries. I really enjoyed uh, the response from the first caller there, and I do agree. Uh, the church is you, and it is me. It's not a building. Yeah. But I think what's, what's going on is that uh, the church has become complacent and uh, comfortable. Mm. Uh, we and, and unfortunately, and it pains me to say this, counterfeit. Okay, complacent, com- comfortable, and counterfeit. Not all of the church, don't get me wrong, I'm painting with a wide brush here, but we do have, uh, you know, the enemy, he loves to, you know, um, pervert what God has put forth, and so he's got, you know, weeds growing with the um, uh, wheat, or tares, I should yeah. say, with the wheat, and the goats come yeah. in too. But, you know, as a body of Christ in this 21st century, where are we? Why are we silent? To your point before the break, we ought not be silent. And I don't think that it has anything, you know, I believe it was Adrian Rogers. He's long um, passed away and went home to glory. But he said, the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. Mm. And you went 
to Proverbs, and you you said, you know, we should be trusting in God and leaning to our own under not to our own understanding, but to His. But even in my country, America, what has happened with our you know protective wall against um, faith and religion? We have allowed it to erode. So when you ask where are we headed. It's a dark, dark, dark path, and yeah. you know that's true if you read it. But our country has allowed the walls of faith to be um, trampled on, truth fallen in the streets, with shot down by AK-57 or AR-15. It's just um, we, the body of Christ, not the building, not the address, as you mentioned, but the people, we are the ones. So we all have our own Judea. We all have our own Samaria. We all have our own other parts of our neighborhood. Like your first caller said, you, you, you complaining about the homelessness. And I know believers that complain about it. Now, I go out and I feed the homeless. Big, you know, okay, I'm not trying to give myself any pat on the back. But I decided as an individual to grab a couple of people and you know, give them the word, ask them, do they want to receive Christ, and give them a muffin and a juice. Mm-hmm. What are we doing individually? Because we're the church. Why do you think that we have, and I, I think there's something definitely to the idea that, and and you're saying it, and Chris was saying it right before you, that we we sort of defer to the church as the church needs to take care of it, but we don't step into it as the church. See what I'm saying is, and 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 I want to be fair. There's a lot in the church who who are doing great work. If it wasn't for Absolutely. Christians and the, what the church is doing for homelessness and for lots of these other issues, it would, it would be dramatically worse, right? So it's not mm-hmm. that the church is doing nothing, but I think that there are, right. I think that there are resources of beginning with us with people that are not being used because we are maybe waiting for someone else to do it. Is that what you think? Well, I think that it comes from the pulpit, and I don't mean to uh, target them, but that's our leadership, right? That's where we're getting our messages from. That's where we're getting our uh, example from. That's where we're getting our call to action, if you will. And I think that if the leadership today, as they were when I was a kid, I'm 64 years old, or I should say 64 years young. Right. And they, you know, uh, they were proactive. They called us to be proactive, so you had um, Saturday food um, pantries. I know there's still mm-hmm. some around, but yeah. it's so far few in between, as you know. Yeah. And it, it seems like the small churches are the ones that's carrying the load for the big mega churches. Well, I don't it, need another conference to find out that I matter <laughs> to God. I know I matter. You don't want to go to a conference? <laughs> um, I do. Yeah, I know right. what you're saying. You know, and to be fair, there's some mega churches who do a lot of great stuff. There really are. And but you're also right that the and most churches, in fact, most Christians are in small churches. Actually, yes. If exactly. you gather up all the small churches together, they're much bigger than the mega churches. Um, right. You know, I think there's. And we, some, we, you know what we have so many programs, and everyone's doing the same program. Why don't we come under one umbrella? Well, and that's where I think, right there, Tamara, I, and i got to take a break here, but I think that's one of the points, is mm-hmm. why, why do we struggle, different congregations, to do more mm-hmm. together, to right. be the voice together? Why is that? i got some thoughts about it. What do you guys think? i got to let you go, Tamara, and take a break. Thanks for your okay. call. Uh, God bless Happy you. Happy New Year. Year. 
The number is 888-528-2557. Here's the question. Why is it hard for churches, congregations to come together and be the voice about issues in our society, wherever they're at? Why is that harder to do? 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as today's edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year to you. I hope that everything is going well. We're talking about 2023 and where are we going? And one of my prayers and in one that I'm asking you to have is that the church would regain its voice in the culture. But how do we do that in a way that is correct, that is that is actually going to work that isn't about having political power or some kind of power over some entity, but actually having a relational voice that begins to change the path that we're on. More than two-thirds of Americans for most of the last 50 years have said that our country is on the wrong path. And, uh, you know, we say that now and we blame, you know, whoever is in office now. But we've been saying that for 50 years with one period of time in the mid-80s in the Reagan administration where we got to 50-50. Still only 50% thought we were on the right path. Uh, what? How do we get on the right path? The scriptures give us the clue of how to do that, to focus on the Lord and get on the right path. How do we have our voice to help people do that? 888-528-2557 is the number. Before the break, I asked too, as I said, uh, how do we get churches to do things together, congregations to do things together? 888-528-2557, to have that voice together. I mean, I don't mean play softball together. That's something we should do, and that's fun. But uh, how do we together speak uh, with the voice of truth and the gospel. 888-528-2557. Ted, City of Angels, welcome to Southern California Live. Ted, City of the Angels, how are you doing, Pastor? I'm doing fine, Ted. Okay, I just basically wanted to, if if Jesus was, if Jesus were to come back now, yeah. he said he'd separate the goats from his sheep. He put the goats on the left yep. and his, his sheep on the right. And, uh, to me, I don't hear a whole lot of truth on the left politically, and I hear more truth on the right, and it's within our own church. But so, does our political view ultimately mean our salvation? I mean, if you know, how wrong politically do you have to be before it means you don't believe in Jesus? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, mean, I think we have to be careful about saying that somebody's views disqualify them from the gospel. Uh ultimately the separation of sheep and goats or who is it that believes that Jesus is the savior and who doesn't? Well, I just, I have to follow ethics and obviously all of us are, are victim to, uh, you know, born with, with sin. So I have to go with who's, who's going the strongest, you know, there's certainly uh, evidence, you know, to who's a follower of Jesus and, you know, Mm -hmm. But, you know, Jesus in Matthew 25, uh, he talks about that, and uh, who is it that's uh, taking care of the sick and visiting the, taking care of the widow and orphan, visiting him when he's in prison? You know, those are the people who Jesus knows. Amen. You know, it says something, our our behavior, we should be aware of that. You know, how can the church, when we talk about these issues, Ted, uh, how does the church help in these areas together? How do we have a voice that isn't just right and left political, that is just, hey, let's deal with this on a a human level, just where people are. 
Well, I mean, you know, I'm not a gambler. I don't play cards. I never like poker. But if I, I have to deal with the cards that have been dealt with me. Mm. I can't live in the past. I can't say I want money from 300 years ago when our Bible clearly states in seven years we are to relieve all debt. We all have to move forward as a team. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I had a football team, it sure wouldn't be one color. You know, because it's all it's all based on talent and, and your heart. Where are you at? Are you going to be there for each other? And are you going to lay down at the end of the game? Because the game isn't over till it's over, till Billy White Shoes Johnson does a tap, tip tap, uh, tap dance in the end zone. It used to play for the Houston Oilers, you know, and I don't want a photo finish. I want to be, you know, standing up like Billy White Shoes Johnson yeah. well, did. And we want to be in the right end zone and actually scoring the right goal, right? So maybe the question is, what is that goal? And, Ted, thank you for your call. And, uh, you, I, you know, I think that one of the things Ted said there is uh, he talked about, you know, the cards that he had been dealt. Uh, we're all dealt certain cards in the sense that who are the people that God has placed in our life that we should be praying for? Who are the people that God has placed in our life that we should be investing in? Where is it that we live where God is calling us to um, be uh, someone who speaks the truth about those uh, issues and really helps people? Who are the people in our relational world where discipleship happens, where Jesus, you know, the goal is to make disciples of Jesus. The goal isn't even to have a perfect country. The goal is to make sure that people know who Jesus is, because eventually uh, all the countries are going to fail. That's what the scriptures are telling us, is eventually every system, everything that's out there is going to fail, and Jesus will return, and only then does everything get right. And you want to make sure that people know who he is and that and that uh, he knows who you are. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live if you want to join the conversation. Deborah, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello? Hi, Deborah. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I think flesh is a mess. And you... until churches surrender, of everybody trying to be a chief, be okay a little bit with being an Indian, and, you know, have that common denominator of of just striving to meet people where they are. Mm. Your title is not important to the Lord. We're all human first. Yeah. So we, we need to look at each other, I think, through the lens where the Lord's looking at us as as people created in his image who need to be saved. Exactly. Yes. And then you take the church out of everything, and then as soon as, you know, somebody gets sick or ill, the Pope, now you want prayers for the Pope. But at the end of the day, you know, did anybody help the Pope try to, you know, fix some of the stuff that kind of went haywire in their situation? Did anybody help the church down the street that's struggling with, you know? There's uh, a lot of things that the church struggles with, for sure. Absolutely. Um, And so each one of us can help the other if we would just take a minute to say, well, what do you need? Let me see if I can. If I cannot, let me see if, you know, Sister Davis has it or if Brother Brown may have it. And unite. Don't pull against each other. Unite. Yeah. All right. Uh, Deborah, thank you so much. I think you're right. That uh, Thanks for calling Southern California Live. I think that there's something about uniting together as a church. But part of the question is how do we do that and have the voice in the culture um, David, welcome to Southern California Live. 
Hello, this is David. Yeah, go ahead. This... Go ahead, David. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a Calvary Chapel pastor, and I've been seeing over the years that a lot of it's just lack of true faith and obeying the gospel. Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer itself said obedience and faith are outside of the coin. You can't have them separated. And if it's just uh, cheap grace, hmm. nominal Christianity, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. We're, we're not going to get together. We're not going to tackle the big issues. We're going to depend on politics. You know, just like uh, I mentioned before, that a lot of people looking at uh, Trump as the Messiah. He's not going to be able to fix anything. He proved that the first time. Have we abandoned the idea that, do you feel like the church um, is looking to not just the church as a corporation, but even just government or some other kind of savior to come and fix all the problems? A good part of it is. Yeah. We're not out there doing what we're called to do. We're supposed to be obeying the Great Commission. We're supposed to be helping the poor, not depending on... Uh, the government, well, uh, this is too hard for for me, so I'm, I'm going to let somebody else take care of it. Yeah, we got to do we that. Have to I'm going to like the- let you go, David. I'm almost out of time. I just want to get to one or two other calls here. Sonia in Los Angeles. Hi, good afternoon. Hi, go ahead, Sonia. Just a couple of seconds here. Yeah, I just want to chime in, and like so many uh, said, uh, I think her name was Deborah. so many chiefs, not enough Indians, number one. Everybody wants to promote their brand. They want their label on it. Let's just come together, see the need. Like you said in Matthew, let's look at the hungry, look at the poor, the imprisoned, and get the come together and we can yeah. do it. We can I think, do it. Uh, I think there's something true about that, that we need to not worry about our label. I think that you... Uh, there's a there's a church I know of that uh, they travel a long way to go help out uh, some inner city uh, inner city kids, and then they say mm-hmm. you need to come to our church, which is like 40 miles away. It's like why don't you, why don't you why don't you go there and just invite them to the church on the corner where that pastor they might be broke, but they're uh, they know how to minister there. Why don't exactly. you do that? I think that we Let's can do a lot more of that. Over. Yeah, Sonia, exactly. thank you, thank you for uh, for calling in. Uh, all right, Denise, you're going to be the last one, but you only got 10 seconds. Okay, so basically everything everybody, the last two callers were saying is basically what's on my heart as well. I think it's on the leaders. And as far as the church needing to come together with other churches and share the resources, I had to write a paper mm. on it, and this is a part of what has been on my heart anyway. Yeah. Yeah. How can we as a church regain our position yeah. and be hey, Denise, I, I got to go. I'm almost, I have a hard break, but if you know, my email is uh, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'd love to see that paper when you're done, so send that over. Hey, Proverbs 3, 5, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all of your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. When the church does that, when we get holy, when we actually submit to the Lord, suddenly the path gets brighter. We know where we're going. It's straight. I think the answer is in there. We'll talk more about this uh, another time because I think it's a big deal. I got to take a break. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as today's edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.